y'all. Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about season seven, episode 10, called Death's Door. And this is the episode that I have been dreading doing since I first said to Rochelle, hey, you want to do a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Because it makes me cry so freaking much. (laughs) So I watched this episode, like I watched the episode and I cried basically the whole time. And then I did the notes and I didn't cry at all. It was probably because it was like so broken up though, you know, like as you write down stuff or you're taking notes and you're pausing it and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I have no idea if I'm going to like ball my ass out while doing this or not. I think I just said ball my ass out. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I guess they both mean the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Is maybe ball your ass off rather than out. (laughs) Yeah, that implies something else that needs toilet paper. (laughs) That's a lot of cleanup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. Okay. All right. So we start out with an internal shot of the bullet hole in Bobby's head. Uh, The camera moves out of the bullet hole and we see that Bobby is unconscious in the back of the van. Uh, Sam is back there with him while Dean drives. Sam says, Bobby, Bobby, hey, hey, hold on. Dean says, Sam, is he dead? Sam says, I'm checking. Sam feels for Bobby's pulse, and Dean says, is he dead? Sam says, just drive, Dean. Bobby. Dean says, you got to talk to me, Sam. Sam says, all right, he's breathing. There's a pulse. Dean dials numbers on his cell phone and says, keep him upright. Stop the bleeding. Sam says, I'm not an idiot, Dean. I know first aid for a friggin' bullet hole to the head. (laughs) Which which says a lot about what they do. (laughs) I know, like, that's a regular occurrence, it seems, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Uh, Dean says into the phone, I need the nearest trauma center. Sam says, hold on, hold on. Dean on the phone says, what's the address? And then he says, all right, Bobby, hang in there. The van skids as Dean accelerates. And then we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to an external shot of Bobby's noggin hole. the hole (laughs) (laughs) sam says bobby just hold on uh we cut to a forest during the day sam dean and bobby are hunting it's the same scene from the episode before they find a bloody arm hanging from a tree dean says well i guess we found phil bobby says wait a minute something's not right here dean says yeah no kidding bobby there's a corpse in a tree bobby says something bad's about to happen Dean says, yeah, well, danger's kind of on the W-2. That's why we got the guns. (laughs) Blood drips onto Bobby's hand from his head. There's now a blood stain on Bobby's hat. He puts his fingers to his head and finds more blood. He says, or something bad's happened already. So we cut to the three of them walking into the house where they were squatting in. Bobby takes off his hat. There's a small amount of blood on his head. Bobby says, balls. Sam says, you want to tell us what's going on? Dean says, yeah, what's going on with your head? Bobby says, I got shot in it. Dean says, you what? Sam says, Bobby, we've been with you all day. 
Dean says, yeah, I think we would have noticed if you took a bullet. Bobby says, I didn't take one here. I took one out there in the real world. Dean says, you lost us. Sam says, look, Bobby, you want to sit down? Seriously. Bobby says, no, there's something I got to tell you. I, uh, damn it, I can't get at it. Sam says, well, it's okay. Take your time. We're right here. Bobby says, no, no, not you, you, real you. Out there in the waking world, numbers, numbers, where's paper? Bobby finds some paper and a pen and says, I didn't have time to tell you uh, what. He says, I didn't have time to... <laughs> Bobby says, I didn't have time before to tell you what. And then Bobby writes the numbers 454895 on the paper and says, they're cooking up. You need to know. Bobby puts a piece of paper in his jacket pocket. Suddenly, Bobby is in a bedroom. His wife, Karen, is sitting on the bed. Bobby is standing I thought it was Kara. Nope, Karen. It's definitely Karen. I remember for sure. Why did I write down Kara then? I don't know. I thought I wrote it down from what the... Oh. Hmm. It's definitely Karen. Well, heck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, just the whole time I've thought that her name was Kara. <laughs> That's okay. She's only been in like one episode before. I wrote... Well, I wrote... That was my first note. Well, yeah. It was the first one I wrote down was Kara. I like wrote down K-A-R-A. I wonder if that's what it says in the subtitles or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe they got it wrong. Well, in the transcript, it definitely says Karen. And I remember from the episode before it being Karen. So... Huh. Weird. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So she's sitting on the bed. Bobby is standing there holding a glass of wine. Um, Karen says, well, you're just going to stand there or hand it over, Bobby. Bobby says, what the hell, Karen? Karen says, you're expecting Farrah Fawcett? Bobby <laughs> says, no, she always calls first. <laughs> That's what I said the first time this happened. Karen says, what are you talking about? Gimme. And Karen holds out her hand. Bobby looks down and finally notices a glass of wine. He says, oh, and he hands it to Karen. And <laughs> says, Here you go. <laughs> yeah. He says, this is just like it was. You're beautiful. Karen says, quit sweet talking and come over here. Karen takes Bobby by the hand and says, I feel like we haven't talked in ages. Bobby says, I know just how you feel. Karen says, listen, I have something I want to say to you. No excuses this time, okay? Just sit, Bobby. So Bobby sits on the bed. Bobby says, I know what night this is. I remember this. Karen says, I've thought a lot about this. I really, Karen and Bobby simultaneously say, sat with this. Karen hits Bobby lightly on the chest and says, don't make fun of me. Bobby says, I wouldn't, but right now I gotta, he's interrupted by the sound of thunder. Bobby says, I don't remember a storm coming in the night this happened. Bobby goes to the window and sees a full moon and sky full of stars. Then the stars all disappear and the reflection of the moon in the window fades. Bobby sees a young boy running from behind a shed towards the house. As the boy runs, everything behind him goes dark. Bobby says, Mother Mary, I got a messed up fruitcake. <laughs> Karen says, what, Bobby? Bobby says, nothing. I got to go. I'm sorry, darling. Karen says, Bobby, wait, don't go. Bobby leaves the room and suddenly he's outside in the rain. He's wearing a pest control uniform and he's standing behind Rufus. Yay, Rufus. Rufus. I love him. I love him too. Now, Rufus in real life at this point is, is dead, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was like really pleasantly surprised to be hanging out with Rufus again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rufus says, number one trick is act like you know what you're doing, Bobby. Bobby says, Rufus? Rufus says, what, I can't give you advice now? All of a sudden, you know everything? You know, <laughs> I can always go wait in the car. Bobby says, no, wait, I, I need your help. Bad. 
Rufus says, yeah, damn straight you do. <laughs> Bobby says, no, listen to me, Rufus. I'm going to die. Rufus says, oh, now that's a realistic view of the mortality rate on a ghost hunt. <laughs> Rufus is EMFing. The reader lights up and makes some noise. Rufus says, whoa, whoa, Nellie, red line. All right, baby boy, here we go. Bobby says, no, Rufus. Rufus enters a church. Bobby looks around, still outside. Uh, the young boy from before, from the earlier scene, runs down the street. Rufus opens the door from inside the church and says, are you coming, Bobby? I mean, we're not getting any younger here. <laughs> Bobby says, coming. Bobby looks down and sees the young boy in front of him. The young boy grabs Bobby's arm and says, God's going to punish you. Bobby, that's you're comforting. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's exactly what I want to happen. Yeah. Mm hmm. Bobby hears the sound of breaking glass and looks behind him to see a broken glass of milk on a red and black tiled floor. When he turns back, the boy is gone. Uh, so Bobby goes into the church. Inside, six people in red robes are standing in front of the church, um, standing at the front of the church, about to sing. Rufus walks towards the door at the side of the room. Um, there is the sound of thunder. The room shakes and Bibles fall out of the pews. As Bobby watches, one, one by one, the members of the choir disappear. All the lights go out, and a man holding an old-fashioned watch on a chain walks up behind Bobby. The man says, hello, Mr. Singer. Bobby turns around, and the man swings his watch, catches it, and says, your time's up. Bobby says, so you're my reaper, huh? You know, I've heard of you guys grabbing reapies in broad daylight and in their sleep, but I've never heard of a reaper showing up inside a guy's custard. <laughs> The reaper says, you're in a coma, genius. This is what happens. I climb in your custard and fish you out. <laughs> the reaper takes a, a step towards Bobby. Bobby takes a step back. The reaper says, oh, you think you can lose me? Bobby says, gonna try. The reaper says, I've got places to be, singer. Don't waste my time. Bobby says, might as well. Well, I got it. The reaper says, you're prolonging the inevitable. The reaper flips, flips open his watch, which is ticking. He flips it closed again. And while he's looking at it, Bobby runs for the door Rufus went through. He's like, peace. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. The reaper yells, I can find you anywhere, even in this gin-soaked rat maze. Bobby goes through the door and rounds a corner. He's dressed in his regular clothes now. He's in his home. Uh, Dean tosses two DVDs onto a coffee table uh, and says, Oh, the, I'm sorry. The DVDs say Chuck Norris, American Hero Collection, and the Delta Force. <laughs> Sam says, I'm just saying, look, you can't really compare. Sam and Dean are sitting on a couch. Dean says, I don't even know you right now. There's not even a contest. Sam <laughs> says, it depends on the criteria. Dean says, survival is the only criteria. All right. Dean grabs one of the DVDs, stands up and says, and when the crap hits the fan, it's not about who has skill. It's about who's the bigger badass. Bobby, will you please tell Sam that Chuck Norris could kick Jet Li's ass? <laughs> Bobby doesn't respond, but he heads for the kitchen. Dean says, you grab me a beer while you're in there. Bobby opens the sliding doors to the kitchen. There's a woman setting a dinner table. She says, Bobby, Bobby Singer, you had better be washed up when you come down. The woman, who is Bobby's mother, looks at Bobby. Behind Bobby, Dean is standing near the TV, opening the DVD case. Bobby's mom says, you're filthy. God, what is wrong with you? It's like you want him to get mad. Bobby slides the kitchen door shut, and suddenly Bobby is in the church with Rufus again. Rufus tosses Bobby a shotgun, and Bobby catches it. Rufus says, Bobby, heads up. Whew, poor thing. Gets left at the altar, kills herself, and then gets buried in the crypt. Now she's going after men who break their girls' hearts. Poignant, am I right? Rufus gives Bobby a flashlight. Rufus says, why are you out of breath? Did you go for a jog up there, man? 
Bobby says, I need your help, Rufus. Rufus says, yeah, clearly. <laughs> Bobby says, no. <laughs> listen to me. Rufus says, I want you to grab a torch, man. As soon as I open our coffin, sometimes coming pretty quick. Bobby says, no. Will you listen to me, you son of a bitch? There's a damn reaper coming for me. Rufus says, there's a damn reaper coming for all of us, Bobby. Rufus looks um, at all the names on the crypt and stops at Laura Coggins, 1925 to 1954. Rufus says, all right, let's put this damn ghost to bed. I got plans for Purim. I don't know if I said that right. Purim? Plans for what? P-U-R-I-M. I I don't know. Purim? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm sure I said that incorrectly and I apologize. So, (laughs) okay. Rufus hits the crypt with a sledgehammer. We cut to the real world. Bobby is being wheeled on a hospital bed. The doctor says, page the neurosurgeon on call. Tell OR to put electives on hold. Sam and Dean are following behind Bobby's bed. A doctor says, move trauma two to bed seven as soon as it's clean. Bobby is wheeled into the trauma room. The nurse says, gunshot wound to the right frontal area. No exit wound found. Breathing spontaneously. Respiratory rate 18 and shallow. The doctor says, push 80 grams of mannitol over 30. Prep for intubation. The nurse says, air entry, clear to bases. The doctor says, let's get a central line in here now. Sam says, what's happening? Please just tell us. The doctor says, get them out of here. And a nurse pushes them out and says, sorry, you need to stay out of their way. Another nurse cuts open Bobby's shirt. Dean says, that's her uncle. The nurse says, you got to stay back. Sam says, what are they doing? The nurse says, we got to get him stable. Dean says, okay, when are you going to take the bullet out? The nurse says, if we can get the swelling down, if it's in a place we can get to, if, Sam says, if he even lives that long. The nurse pulls a curtain shut across the door to the trauma room, hiding Bobby from view. Inside Bobby's head, Rufus opens the coffin in the church crypt. Bobby says, forget it. I got to keep moving. Bobby turns to go, but a ghost appears in front of him. She's bleeding from a wound on her throat. The ghost says, heartbreaker. And she throws Bobby's shotgun away and puts her arm into his chest. Uh, We cut to Bobby's trauma room. Sam and Dean are still standing outside. Inside the room, the doctor says, push 30 more of mannitol over 10. The nurse says, the vitals were... The nurse says, the vitals were stable two minutes ago. The doctor says, well, he's crashing now. Back inside Bobby's head, the ghost says, I'll break your heart. Rufus slashes an iron through the ghost and she disappears. And Bobby falls to the ground. Rufus says, Bobby, come on. You okay? Say something. Bobby raises his head and says, look out. The ghost has reappeared behind Rufus. She grabs him and throws him to the ground and he hits his head. Blood pools out from underneath. Uh, Bobby quickly torches the ghost's bones. She screams as she burns up and disappears. Cut back to the hospital. Bobby is stabilized. He's in a hospital gown and his head is bandaged. There's a tube in his mouth. The nurse says, blood pressure 130 over 90. Back inside Bobby's head, Rufus is still lying where he fell unconscious. Bobby says, okay, Rufus, I need you. Oh, balls. This would be the one where you're damn, where, (laughs) oh, balls. (laughs) This would be the one job you damn near got yourself killed on. Well, you're going to be useful, even if I have to carry you. So we cut back to the hospital. The doctor opens the curtain and walks over to Dean. Sam is leaning against the wall nearby. The doctor says, he's as stable for the moment. We just have to see. Dean looks at Bobby in the trauma room, then turns slowly and looks at Sam. They are feeling emotions. I wrote that in capital letters. Emotions. (laughs) They've got big emotions. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I will never forget that one. 
I think it was for a birthday or for Christmas or something like that, that you wrote in a card. It's like Killian wanted to wrap this or wanted to do something with this or whatever. And he had big emotions about it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's in like a Christmas card or something. I don't remember what it was. I, I saved that card because it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't remember that. That's so funny. Oh, it was I think it was a birthday and it had like a bunch of scribbles and like crayon or something in it. And it was like, Oh, Killian wanted to help. Oh no. Maybe to unwrap this or something like that oh, or yeah. something. And it was like, we had some big emotions about it. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, back inside Bobby's head. Rufus says, uh, no, Bobby says Rufus. Bobby is waiting outside a hospital lo- looking for Rufus. Bobby says, where the hell did you go? Bobby sees the young boy standing nearby watching him. Bobby says, yeah, you, you kid. Hey, why are you making like a white rabbit all over the place? You grubby little. Enough with the jump scares, kid. Who are you running from? The young boy doesn't speak. Bobby says, wait a minute. I know you. Just then Rufus is wheeled out of the hospital in a wheelchair. He says, did you think I was dead? <laughs> Rufus laughs and, like, hand, <laughs> and hands the nurse a piece of paper and says, Call me, all right. So Rufus gets up out of the wheelchair and says, Don't sit Shiva for me yet, Bobby. Bobby looks behind him, but the young boy has disappeared. Bobby says, Listen, after Bridezilla took you out, do you remember what you told me about your near death experience? Rufus says, I haven't told you nothing yet, but now that you mention it, pretty sure I almost crossed over. Bobby says, And what did you see? Rufus says, what did I see? What are you so riled up about? All right, all right. I saw a hallway, a plaid carpet, the apartment building from when I was a kid. Bobby says, and? Rufus says, and I wanted out. I'm not dying on no damn plaid carpet. No, thank you. <laughs> Bobby like, says, <laughs> yep. Bobby says, so what did you do? Rufus says, well, obviously, Bobby, not being stupid, I started looking for the damn exit door. You know, I swear that's what they mean by your life flashing before your eyes, because every time I opened the door, there was another chapter inside. The good, the bad, the bloody. Bobby says, so how did you get out? Rufus says, found the right door, obviously. Bobby says, oh, you dimwit. (laughs) Bobby says, well, how did you find it? Rufus says, oh, simple. I went deep. Bobby says, deep like old? Rufus says, no, deep like crap you do not want to think about. So you bury it, you shove other crap over it, and you don't go there, ever. Bobby says, so you're telling me that the way out was through your worst memory. Rufus says, it's an important door, Bobby. Bobby says, okay, this is good. Rufus says, what the hell are you going on about anyway? Bobby takes the piece of paper, the piece of paper out of his jacket pocket and says this, I got to find the right door to get this to Sam and Dean. I'm in a coma, Rufus, right now. Rufus laughs and says, get out. Bobby says, I got shot in the dunce cap, Rufus. I'm dying. Rufus says, are you sure? Bobby says, unfortunately. Rufus says, well, I'll be a prima ballerina. Wait, wait, Bobby. Are you trying to tell me that I'm just one of your better memories? Bobby says, would I make this up? He's like, I don't want it to be true any more than you want it to be true. (laughs) Yep. Um, Suddenly there's a sound of thunder and the ground shakes. Bobby says, okay, I got to go. Rufus says, what? Bobby says, you're coming with me, Rufus. Rufus says, what? Bobby says, I need my partner on this, please. The thunder and shaking stop. Bobby and Rufus walk along outside the hospital. Rufus says, aim for your worst memory. Think, focus. You got it? The worst, okay? Bobby says, I got a metric ton of the worst. 
Rufus says, just take a shot. By the way, Killer Bride, how come she called you a heartbreaker anyway? I mean, you're a family man if I ever saw one. Bobby says, thanks for narrowing things down. The ground shakes again. Bobby and Rufus enter Bobby's bedroom. There's a broken glass of red wine on the floor. Karen is standing barefoot next to it, wearing a robe. Karen says, I can't believe you. I hate you. Everything's a lie. Our whole life, our vows, everything. You knew I wanted kids. Why didn't you just sit me down and say... I don't understand. You're a good man. You'd be a good dad. What does that even mean? You break everything you touch. What kind of excuse is that? Karen accidentally steps on the broken glass and cries out. She sits down on the bed. Her foot is bleeding. She says, just stay away from me. You broke my heart, Bobby. You happy? Just go away. And she starts to cry. Bobby says, just so you know, I'm sorry. I never stop being sorry. Rufus says, Bobby, I thought you wanted a gang of rugrats. Bobby shakes his head no. Rufus says, so how long after this? Bobby says, did she get possessed? Three days. Biggest regret of my life, this fight. You think it was when I had to stab her to death, but no. All through that, I was thinking, we never got to get past this. If I'd have known, I'd have said anything she wanted to hear. Karen is still crying on the bed. Rufus says, Bobby, hey, try the door now. Bobby says, thanks, Rufus. Bobby opens the door and steps out into a bright light. Suddenly, he's in a park during the day. Bobby says, balls. <laughs> Rufus <laughs> says, what year is this? 89-ish? <clears throat> Bobby says, what does it matter? I'm stuck in eternal friggin' sunshine. Rufus says, no, I was just thinking, man. You look pretty good there. Must have drank less. Bobby and Rufus <laughs> watch. <laughs> yep. Bobby and Rufus watch a younger Bobby and a young Dean walk across the park. Young Dean says, hey, Bobby, where are we going? Younger Bobby says, well, Dean, where's it look like? Young Dean says, dad says I'm supposed to practice with the double barrel. Younger Bobby says, well, we're going to skip the guns today. Here. And younger Bobby gives young Dean a catcher's mitt. Younger Bobby says, here, today you're going to throw a ball around just like a regular snot-nosed little jerk. <laughs> Rufus says, you know, for a guy who'd rather break his wife's heart than give her a baby, you make a hell of a nanny. Bobby says, shut up, Rufus. We need another door. They look around and see a shed behind them. Bobby says, let's go. Rufus says, seriously, though, Bobby, how come? Bobby says, dog with a bone, Rufus. Rufus says, no, I really want to know, man. Why no kids? Bobby says, ain't that deep. Dad was a mean drunk. I figured I'd be just like him. And hey, look, I was right. No sense passing on the legacy. Rufus says, man, you're too hard on yourself. You're more of a cranky drunk. You do know <laughs> that whatever you're trying to avoid with the eye rolls and the grumpalumping, that's exactly where you need to go. Bobby says, I ain't avoiding nothing. Rufus says, yeah, sure. Bobby says, get off my ass, Rufus. Rufus says, hey, Bobby, I'm trying to help you here, okay? You want to get out of here or you want to die? Bobby says, I'm trying. How am I supposed to know what I don't want me to know? Bobby opens the shed door. I mean, that's fair. That's true. <laughs> like, how do I, how am I supposed to remember what I can't remember? <laughs> yep. Bobby opens the shed doors and walks into the kitchen at his home. It's dinner time and his mom is serving his dad food. Uh, Bobby's dad is at the kitchen table reading a newspaper. The young boy, who we now know as young Bobby, runs into the room and sits at the table. Bobby's dad says, hey, look, the crown prince decided to drop by for a late bite. Bobby's mom says, oh, he was just washing up. So who would like to say grace? Bobby's dad says, hell with grace. Pass me the biscuits. Uh, young Bobby reaches for the biscuits and knocks a glass of milk onto the floor in slow motion. The glass breaks. Bob young Bobby says, I'm sorry. Bobby's dad says, what is the matter with you? Young Bobby says, I don't know. I'm sorry. Bobby's dad says, you break everything you touch. 
Bobby's mom is on her knees cleaning up the glass. She says, let's just have a nice supper. Bobby's dad says, a nice supper. Bobby's mom says, mm-hmm. Bobby's father knocks his plate onto the floor and says, there's your nice supper. What a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Just want to say. <clears throat> oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Like Bobby's, the biggest of the assholes. Yeah. Bobby's dad takes a drink from his glass of whiskey and says, I get no respect in this house. Uh, Bobby and Rufus look at each other and then Bobby slides the kitchen doors closed. Rufus says, what? Now you can't tell me that wasn't gnarly enough to go spelunking in. Bobby says, that was any given Tuesday night. Believe me, it was nothing special. Rufus says, no, 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 you're scared. Bobby says, no, I ain't. I just know we're in the wrong place, Rufus. There's more thunder and the ground shakes. Rufus says, you, okay, Bobby, you don't have time. That sound was not the weather and you know it. We can't keep bopping through your greatest hits forever. That reaper's going to catch up. I mean, if there was some way to stop the damn thing, but it's a reaper, Bobby, you're screwed. Bobby says, I know what we're going to do. Rufus says, what? Bobby says, we're going to stop the damn reaper. So we cut to real time at the hospital. Sam says, so there's nothing else we can do. The doctor says, I'm sorry. We just have to wait. We'll see if the swelling goes down. Dean says, how long? The doctor says, it's hard to say in cases like this. Dean says, well, he's lasted this long. That's something, right? The doctor says, well, yes. Listen, the bullet didn't shatter. Only one hemisphere of his brain was injured. These are all positive things. But I don't want to give you false hope here. He's far from out of the woods. Most times, cases like this, Sam says, they die. The doctor says, right now it comes down to him. I'll keep you updated. The doctor leaves and a man walks up behind Sam and Dean. The man says, excuse me, sorry to interrupt. Is one of you Robert Singer's next of kin? We cut to the man talking to Dean in the hallway alone. The man says, we know this is a stressful time. Dean says, yeah, okay, no offense. You can skip the garnish. What, did his insurance lapse or what? The man says, we're sorry to ask, but did your uncle ever make his wishes known in regards to organ donation? Organs are only viable for a very limited window. Dean says, viable? The man says, we're just hoping some good can come of this tragic. Dean says, listen to me. I'm going to say this once. He is not going to die. It's one bullet. He's going to be fine because he's always fine. The man says, I apologize. Dean says, why are you talking to me like he's going to die, huh? I do my job. Do your jobs. Save him. The man says, of course, they're doing everything they can. Dean punches the glass, covering a sign next to the man's head. The man is stunned. Dean says, walk away from me now. <laughs> I would be like, okay, and then turn around and leave. I know. <laughs> I'd, be like, <laughs> I'd be out of there so fucking fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Ugh. yeah, like, yeah. please let me walk away really quick. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I hate it. I once dated a guy who used to punch like the wall next to my head. Oh, that's when disconcerting. he was disconcerting, not disconcerting. It was, <laughs> it was exhausting, is what it was. It was always like, anxiety 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 you know mm-hmm. just like uh yep <laughs> yep and you wonder why i broke up with them Jeez. i mean maybe don't punch it next to my head motherfucker i know right come on like that just kind of to me says that you know i i would rather be hitting you but i'm gonna you know like yeah but i'm gonna do this right next to you just so that way it scares you just as much as you know mm-hmm. it can without me actually getting in trouble for it that's one of those like i want to hit you but i i know i'll get in trouble for it so i'm gonna try and just scare the shit out of you instead yeah not okay <laughs> not okay nope fuck that guy <laughs> uh, okay um so the man not really because he probably would like that <laughs> <laughs> so there <laughs> 
like you're right anyway <laughs> okay okay all right so the man walks away dean walks in the other direction and goes outside uh, he walks down the steps and shakes his hand. His knuckles are all bloody. He sees a black car parked diagonally across two parking spaces directly in front of the hospital. Dean says, Dick, I know you're in there. Come on out. <laughs> Dean pounds on the tinted closed rear window and says, you, Dick. The window rolls down and Dick is there. <laughs> I hope nobody ever rolls down their window at me and is just like, hey there. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah. Not okay, uh, man. Not okay. <laughs> I need a drink of this monster. <laughs> because Oh, that sounded wrong. I meant my energy drink. <laughs> okay. I didn't think of it dirty until you said something. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. Uh, we are sorry. Okay. Yeah, but are we? <laughs> We're not that sorry. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Dean says to Dick, what did you come here to finish the job? <laughs> Dick smiles. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, well, come on. Right here, right now, out in the open. You and me, Dick Roman. Dean is shouting, and bystanders are using their phones to record the confrontation. Dean says, see, deciding to jump a famous guy ain't all upside. You can kill me right now if you want to see it online. Dick says, maybe you should go check on that friend of yours. He can't be feeling too frisky right about now. I'm a very good shot. Dean says, we're coming. That smug little asshole. He is a smug little asshole. God. Big asshole. Bastard. <laughs> Dean says, we're coming for you and not just to hurt you, to kill you. You understand me? Dick says, come on, Dean. I can't be killed. Dean says, you're going to wish you could then. Dick laughs and says, that's some conviction. You'd really crush it on the motivational circuit. Dean says, you're either laughing because you're scared or you're laughing because you're stupid. I'll see you soon, Dick. <laughs> Back in Bobby's head, Bobby and Rufus are in Bobby's study. Bobby says, it's in an old King James Bible. Bobby takes the Bible off the bookshelf and leafs through it. The pages are all blank. Rufus says, so what exactly are we doing now, Bobby? Bobby says, well, technically you're correct. You can't stop a reaper, not permanently. Only their boss can do that. And we don't want him involved. Bobby takes down another book and says, ah, now we're cooking with gas. Bobby puts the second Bible down on the table and opens it. The pages have been cut out to hide a large cross. Rufus says, what is that? Bobby picks up the cross and says, well, Sam and Dean have run up against these suckers a couple, three times, picked up a few tricks, enough to slow them down a hair at least. Rufus says, all right, let's work some mojo. We cut back to the hospital. Dean gets some coffee from a machine. He walks over to Sam, who is still leaning against the wall outside of Bobby's room. Sam says, what did that guy want? Dean says, uh, nothing, just some insurance mook. Dick Roman was out there. Sam says, what? What happened? Dean says, nothing for now. It was just a friggin' staring contest. That was about it. What's the update? Sam says, the swelling's down a little. They took him off sedation. Apparently, he started fighting his tube, so they pulled him out, and he's breathing on his own. Dean says, that's good, right? Is that good? Sam says, yeah, well, the doctor said best case scenario. Dean says, all right, so when are they going to take the bullet out? Sam says, Dean, they're not even, they're not even going to try that. Not yet. Dean says, what does that mean? Sam says, the word's abrading, I think. Dean says, English. Sam says, cutting out the dead brain tissue. A man and a woman in the middle of, 
a man and a woman in the middle of an argument stop near Sam and Dean. Sam says, that's if the doctor even thinks it's worth the risk. Sam says, can I talk to you? And they walk away from the man and woman. Dean says, what? Talk about what? Sam says, you know what? Dean says, no, we're not going to have that conversation. Sam says, well, we need to. Dean says, he's not going to die. Sam says, he might. Dean says, Sam. Sam says, Dean, listen, we need to brace ourselves. Dean says, why? Sam says, because it's real. Dean says, what do you want to do? You want to hug and say we made it through it when dad died? We've been through enough. Dean walks away. Sam sits down in a chair and presses on the palm he injured in a previous episode. Um, does that mean he's seeing Lucifer right there? That's a good question. I thought about that too. I think it does. Because he's either seeing or hearing Lucifer, one of the two. Yeah. Okay. I would think. Yeah. Maybe it's in times that he's stressed out. That could be. You know, I think, I think it's when he's he's got Lucy on the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, back inside Bobby's head, Rufus and Bobby are in the study. Uh, Rufus puts ingredients into a bowl on Bobby's desk. Bobby opens a closet, which is completely empty. So he goes back to Rufus and says, we still need gold ore, hemlock, and mace. Rufus says, "Mm, so pretty basic then, huh? As Bobby walks through the kitchen, the lights go out in every window he passes. He opens a kitchen drawer, which is full of junk. He looks over his shoulder and sees the younger version of himself talking on the phone in another room. Bobby on the phone says, younger Bobby on the phone says, no, we didn't shoot rifles. As a matter of fact, we threw a ball around. He's a kid, John. They both are. They're entitled. Yeah, I know I ain't their dad. Younger Bobby hangs up and throws the phone down. Bobby looks back at the kitchen drawer. Because John is an asshole. Yeah, I know. Let kids be kids, man. I mean, like, I get it, but I don't know. Like, I think before I started or before we started doing the podcast, I liked John a little bit more than what I do now. Cause now I've like paid attention, you know, to all the little things and it's like, "Mm," you know, like, yeah, not that he's awful. He was trying his best, but he was misled (laughs) for sure. Where now I'm kind of like, no, like I don't like him so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, Bobby looks back down at the kitchen drawer, which is now empty. Bobby says, what the hell? He opens the refrigerator and takes out a jar of blood. He finishes painting a symbol on the floor in front of his desk, and he goes over to Rufus behind the desk and picks up the cross. Bobby starts chanting. Rufus lights a match and drops it into the bowl. There's a flash of light, and the Reaper appears inside the symbol on the floor. The Reaper says, cute. Got to admit, first time anyone's pulled one on me while actually unconscious. Bobby says, well, get comfy. The Reaper says, not so fast. Bobby says, yeah, sorry, other business. The Reaper says, I'm trying to help you, Bobby. You're going to die. You think you can stop it by pinning me like a bug? Bobby says, well. The Reaper says, you've seen the dark coming, people disappearing, things going blank. Look around, cell by cell. Bobby looks around at the photographs on the bookshelves. While Bobby's face in the photographs is clear, the faces of the other people are blurry. The Reaper says, that bullet's killing your brain. You're running out of places to hide, so understand. This trap won't hold forever because this room won't hold because you are going to die. Bobby says, you think. The Reaper says, come with me. Be done. You've earned it. Or fight me. Stay here. And you know the drill. Rufus says, I don't know, Bobby. I mean, you really want to get stuck? Turn into some ghost? Bobby says, I know what I'm doing, Rufus. 
Rufus says, yeah, yeah, you're thinking you can help. You're thinking you can help those boys. But how many spirits you meet in their right mind? Some hunter's going to cut you down. Bobby says, whose side are you on? The Reaper says, Bobby, you've helped. You've handled, you've got hand. <laughs> you got handed a small, unremarkable life and you did something with it. Most men like you die of liver disease watching Barney Miller reruns. You've done enough. Believe me. Bobby says, I don't care. The Reaper says, why? Bobby says, because they're my boys. Bobby sees young Bobby standing nearby. He says, all right, the only way out is through. Bobby to young Bobby says, so lead the way. Bobby to Rufus says, nice seeing you again, old friend. Rufus smiles and nods. Bobby to the Reaper says, thanks for the chat. Young Bobby walks away, so Bobby follows him into the memory of his parents. Bobby's mother is on her knees cleaning up the plate that Bobby's father threw on the floor. His mom says, it's fine. I'll just, it'll just take a second. Bobby's dad pours another glass of whiskey and says, you just going to sit there, get a broom or something. Young Bobby leaves the room. Bobby's father stands up and says, you know why he's like that? Because you let him do whatever he wants. Bobby's mom says, it's okay. See, I'm almost done. You just relax and have another drink. Bobby sighs. Bobby's dad says, don't tell me what to do. Young Bobby is watching this whole exchange from the doorway bobby's mom says no wait wait but bobby's father hits bobby's mom across the face knocking her down her mouth is bloody bobby's mom says i know why do you always provoke him bobby's dad says because he's a bad kid that's why bobby says older bobby says well that's a load of crap who the hell were you to say bobby's dad says i'm your father and you show your father respect bobby says the day he deserves it you drunken bobby's mother says shh Bobby says, bully, punching women and kids. Is that what they call fatherhood in your day? Bobby's dad says, oh, you deserved it. Believe me, you were nothing but ungrateful. Bobby says, I was a kid. Kids ain't supposed to be grateful. They're supposed to eat your food and break your heart, you selfish dick. I mean. <laughs> that is true. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby says, you died and I was still so afraid I'd turn into you. I never even had kids of my own. Bobby's dad says, good, you break everything you touch. Bobby's mom starts to cry. Bobby says, uh-huh, well, as fate would have it, I adopted two boys, and they grew up great. They grew Darn up right they did. Yep, they grew up heroes, so you can go to hell. We cut to the hospital. Two nurses are walking towards Bobby's room. A nurse says, keep the head of the bed up for transport. Ivy can run off the pump. Uh, Sam says, wait, 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 what's happening? The nurse says, he's showing signs of responsiveness. We're taking him up for surgery. If you want to see him, I'd squeeze in there real quick. Sam and Dean walk into Bobby's room. Uh, back inside Bobby's head, Bobby's mom is still on the floor, and there's now blood coming from her nose as well as her mouth. She says, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. Bobby's dad says, yeah, yeah, you say that every time. Bobby's mom says, please, just stop. Bobby's father shouts, no, this time you listen. Young Bobby says, stop it. And we see that young Bobby is standing in the doorway with a rifle. He cocks it. Bobby's father laughs and says, you're kidding, right? You're not half enough man to use that thing. You leave the adults to sort this out and I'll deal, deal with you later. Bobby's father grabs Bobby's mother by the hair and drags her halfway to her feet. Bobby's mom says, Bobby, just go. Do what he says. Just go. Young Bobby says, no. And he points the gun at his father and says, leave her alone. Then young Bobby shoots his father in the head. Good Bobby's freaking riddance too. Uh, yep. <laughs> Bobby's mom screams. How old do you think young Bobby is there? Um, maybe like 
10 or 11. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Maybe a little younger. It's hard to tell. I'm terrible with guessing ages, especially in kids. But yeah. Yeah, I would guess like uh, late elementary school, maybe early middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Okay. Um, So Bobby's father falls to the ground dead. Bobby's mom says, Bobby, what did you do? God is going to punish you. Bobby says, hey, and he walks over to young Bobby. Bobby says, you did what you had to do. This is where you learn that, that pretty much never, they pretty much never say thank you when you save them. Now go get a shovel, bury the old man outside behind the woodshed. Young Bobby walks away. Suddenly the reaper is there. He says, you got the only genetic case of bullet in the brain I've ever seen. A bright light appears in the kitchen window. The reaper says, not so fast, singer. Bobby hurries over to the kitchen door, opens it and looks out into the bright light. We cut to Bobby's hospital room. Sam and Dean are at Bobby's bedside. The nurse says, sorry, we need to get moving. Sam says, yeah, right. Sam looks at Dean and then down at Bobby and says, hey, uh, Bobby, hey. And Sam takes Bobby's hand. He says, just thanks for everything. Sam lets go of Bobby's hand and pats it. The nurse says, all right, please step back. Dean says, yeah. Suddenly, Bobby raises his hand and opens his eyes. Sam says, wait, 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 stop. His eyes are open. Dean says, Bobby? Sam says, hey, Sam puts a hand on Bobby's shoulder and Bobby takes off the respirator covering his mouth and nose. Sam takes Bobby's hands. Dean says, what? Don't talk. Don't talk. A pen. Dean grabs the pen and chart from the end of the bed and says, here. Dean hands the pen to Sam, who hands it to Bobby. Dean says, what is it? Bobby writes 45489, which is one number less than he wrote on the piece of paper earlier on Sam's hand. Uh, he smiles slightly and Sam and Dean, who lean closer into him. Bobby says, Idgits. <laughs> then Bobby's head falls back into the pillow and his eyes close. The monitor he is attached to starts to beep. Dean says, Bobby, hey. The monitor shows flat lines. The nurse says, call a code, trauma room. Sam and Dean are standing outside Bobby's room as medical staff hurry towards the room and attempt to revive Bobby. Back inside Bobby's head, Bobby is walking through the house. We hear Dean walking through his house. We hear Dean from the TV room saying, you microbrewing in there or what? Come on. We got a lot of Chuck Norris to get through. Let's go. <laughs> Bobby opens the refrigerator and takes out two beers. Suddenly the Reaper is there. He says, nice move waking up like that. Bobby says, motivation's a mother. <laughs> the Reaper says, you know why it's dark out there, don't you? This house, it's your last island. Everything else is melted by the bullet. Gone. This is your last chance to come with me and move on. For your own good, Bobby, let go. They'll be okay without you. Bobby says, last memory, huh? The Reaper nods. Bobby says, glad I saved the best for last. And Bobby walks away into the TV room. Dean, who is holding the remote, sits down on the two-person couch next to Sam, who is eating popcorn. Dean says, all right, scoot, jerk face. Show your elder some respect. <laughs> Sam says, you scoot, asshat. Sam tosses a piece of popcorn at Dean. Bobby walks in and hands the beers to Sam. Sam sets one of the beers on the table in front of Dean. Dean is taking more snacks out of a plastic bag. He says, did we get licorice? Bobby sits down and watches Sam and Dean. Sam, with his mouth full of popcorn, says, no, we did not get licorice. We got good snacks. Licorice is disgusting. Bobby is smiling. Dean says, I'm sorry. I didn't quite understand that, Mr. Peanut Butter and Banana Sandwich. <laughs> Sam says, you know what? I stand by that sandwich. Nobody likes licorice. It's made of dirt. Dean says, it is a classic movie food. It's right up there with popcorn. Sam says, popcorn? Really? Dean says, yes. Sam says, you're out of your mind. Sam and Dean are fading away. 
Dean says, what? It's like a little chewy. But Sam and Dean disappear. We hear Dean say, Dean say, pieces of heaven. And then we hear Sam say, oh, chewy pieces of heaven if you're a girl. <laughs> the Reaper says, well, Bobby, stay or go. What's it going to be? And credits. Okay, so my thoughts for this episode. Like, I didn't know, even in the last time I watched this episode, I didn't realize that that big fight that Bobby had with his wife whether her name is Kara or Karen. <laughs> it's definitely Karen. <laughs> um, I didn't like, I feel like that's something that I would have remembered that was like three days before she got possessed. Yeah. I didn't remember that either. Like that's somewhat significant information, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there is like, or I kind of, that was that messed up. That, that he regrets that like more than stabbing her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't remember any of that. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't so much like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Also like, even though it, it's kind of interesting because even though Bobby is like super tough and very like, you know, stands up to bullies and all that sort of stuff, he's still like, you don't realize like how damaged he actually is <laughs> until this episode. Right. You know, yeah. like, and obviously, like, when he was a kid, he wasn't as, you know, I, I wouldn't say he wasn't as strong, but he w- wasn't as weathered mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it, it was interesting because you always think of Bobby being the one that's like, okay, he's always got the answers. He's always, you know, but even Bobby has things that he doesn't know what to do with yeah so yeah i'm sorry there's like a motorcycle or something it sounds like right outside oh i can't (laughs) hear it okay (laughs) i just hear this like um also like do you think that the boys are more broken up about bobby dying than they are with their dad um kind of made it seem sort of like it but also at the same time like Hard to tell. I kind of think so. I think so. To be honest with you, I do. Because, like, they love their dad, but they respected Bobby. Exactly. You know, like, they loved both of them, but I feel like Bobby was just better to them all around. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Dean raised Sam, but it's kind of like Bobby raised Dean. Yeah, because you know? John sure didn't. You know, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he taught him how to hunt. Yeah, but that's mostly it. That's, you know? it. that's right. So I don't know. It was just kind of an interesting, like, <laughs> an interesting theory that I had. <laughs> um, what was your favorite? I know this isn't like the best episode to have a favorite moment in. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it's kind of a, it kind of, not that it's a bad episode, but it's just kind of a sad episode. So it's hard to like kind of pick a favorite, but what was your favorite moment? Yeah. yeah this is an incredibly hard episode for me. Like I said before, like I was just dreading it and dreading it for the last like three years that we've been doing. This podcast. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's going to happen. I know. I know and it. It finally it's, it's here. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite moment is going to be the end where um, he's, you know, watching Sam and Dean argue about the food, the snacks. 
and they're slowly fading from view. And I just, you know, he's like, this is my best memory. Yeah. You know, I'm going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> okay. It's time. I promise. He's I- not real, Lynn. He's not real. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you justify it? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that, that just doesn't work for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like movies and TV shows and all that sort of stuff, it just doesn't get, not that it couldn't get me, but I can talk myself out of getting emotional about it because it's not real, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, huh. um, what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment was probably kind of similar to yours. My favorite moment was the fact that that movie night was Bobby's favorite moment, you know, yeah. Um, just because it like shows kind of like how much he actually loves the boys, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> cause a lot of times it just kind of seems like he tolerates them and their stupidness. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but deep down in there, I mean, I shouldn't say deep down in there, but Bobby has a heart, you know, he just doesn't show it as much. He kind of puts his emotions down to the bottom of, you know, yeah, whatever, but Yeah. So that was my favorite that he kind of was like, it was a rare, like insight moment for Bobby, Mm -hmm. I guess I should say is kind of why it was my favorite moment, but I see anyway. Um, so our interesting facts from this episode, um, it says per an October, 2014 interview with tvline.com celebrating the 200th episode of the show, um, which So this was quite a while afterwards because this is episode, what I wrote it down, 136. Um, Jared Padalecki states that Death's Door is his favorite episode of the series thus far. Um, It says Jensen Ackles revealed that it's also his favorite episode as well, according to, um, at that point, you know. Yeah, up to that point, right. Um, It says in the hospital after Dean punches the glass, code gray is heard on the overhead speaker. Um, Code gray is a common code in many healthcare facilities for a combative person. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) like we have a problem over here. (laughs) It's so hard to work in a hospital. I don't know. It's just people who can do that are amazing. I mean, yes, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it depends too on like what, area you're working in mm-hmm. you know because some areas are a little less stressed than others that's true um so but still yeah no working in a hospital in general is going to be kind of a stressful slash like just high intensity type job yeah <laughs> um It says, uh, the episode was originally titled Not Fade Away, um, the same title as the series finale of the show Angel from 1999, um, and then Angel Not Fade Away from 2004. Huh, okay. It says, when Bobby mentions the Eternal Sunshine, this is a reference to the film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004, which... Have you seen that movie? No. Oh, it's one of my favorites. It's like in my top 10 for sure. Oh yeah. I've never even heard of it. (laughs) Oh my God. Really? Yeah. It's so good. It's like they, in this, it's like our world, you know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. there's this procedure, this medical procedure you can have to erase someone or something from your mind. Yeah. So if 
say you have a bad breakup and you want to forget the person entirely. You can so like what Dean did with Ben and Lisa. I'm not salty about that at all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly what you can do. Or like if your pet died, you know what I mean? And you don't want to remember your pet because it's just too upsetting. Like you can have it erased from your mind. And it's this I whole... mean, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily, I feel like the, all those things you like learn from and it creates your personality. And so mm-hmm. if you were to just get rid of somebody completely from your life, like you'd revert back to, well, that's the argument, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's a really good movie. It's totally fucked up. It's totally beautiful. <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah. really good. You'd like it. Huh? Yeah. Well, the more, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we should watch it sometime. I think yeah. you really like it. We'll, we'll have to add that to the, the never ending list. list. Yeah. I know the never ending list that we haven't actually written down anymore. Yeah. Wrote <laughs> down, written down, whatever. Written, English, whatever. That's fine. <clears throat> um, it says this is the second appearance of oh Shella Horstel. Who plays who? Bobby's mother. Oh that's her okay. name, but that's her the actress's name, I think, but I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's C-H-E-L-A-H. Shayla? I have no idea. Yeah. Shayla, Shayla? maybe. Sounds probably Shayla. Shayla? I'm gonna yeah. go with it. Um, she also appeared in Supernatural Hookman from 2005 as the librarian. Oh, I don't remember a librarian from. Hookman. I don't remember a librarian either. Yeah. When did they go to the library? They must have for research. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Okay. I wonder if she like had a line or if it was just like showed her in the background or you know. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Um. It says this is the fifth episode to not feature the Impala and the fourth episode in a row not to feature it. Yep. Um. It says, uh, the exterior shot of Hamilton Regional Hospital Trauma Center is the exact same as the exterior shot used of Willowbrook Psychiatric Hospital for the musical episode of Psych from 2006. Um, Oh, okay. Season 7, episode 15, um, Psych the Musical. Um, Yeah. Or no, so that was in 2013. So that must mean that 2006 is when it started. So the episode is from 2013. Um, during the choreographed song, I've heard it both ways. That seems like a weird title of a song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't remember. Like I've watched all of Psych, and I don't remember that episode. So like I'm a musical to- episode? Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go back. Yeah. And rewatch it. Well, they have an episode. Seven. Yeah. They have an episode for everything. They even have a Twin Peaks episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That has like most of the cast from Twin Peaks on it, which is so fucking cool. Huh. Yep. Oh, so good. I don't think. I mean, I feel like I've seen a couple episodes of Psych because Tim Amundsen, who plays somebody that we haven't met yet in this yep. show, um, he was like a detective or something, right? Yeah. Is that the same show? I don't think. Okay. Yeah. So I think I've seen like a couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that show. Okay. The main character is so fucking annoying. So like, if you can just look past him, <laughs> everyone else is genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. I'll have to. Well, the thing is, is for that show, I feel like I watched it and it was just because it was on TV or something like that. And I didn't 
realize that it wasn't one of those episodes or one of those shows that you can just like watch a random episode of like big bang theory or something where it's oh, yeah. kind of like standalone for the most part, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think I'd need to watch it from the beginning to you do. Yeah. Like, get it. Cause there was a lot of stuff that there was a lot of like character relationships and all that, that I was just like, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, so the last interesting fact, it says uh, young Bobby shoots his father above his right eye in almost the same exact location that Bobby was shot. Oh. Um, so our research from this week is about, okay. The trans Allegheny, right? I have no idea how to pronounce that word. Allegheny. Allegheny. I'm not sure. That's how Allegheny? I've always said it, but I, I don't know. Allegheny? Yeah. I don't know. Lunatic Asylum. Um, and it, this is off of the, oh, WV, I'm guessing West Virginia Gazette mail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's talking about how it's one of West Virginia's most haunted spots. Uh, it says the trans Allegheny, I'm going to go with that. Cause I don't know what else. <laughs> okay. Lunatic asylum is one of the most ha- allegedly haunted areas in West Virginia, containing a lot of secrets from the years of the civil war up toward the closing in 1994. Um, the place was known as Weston state hospital when it was first constructed in the 1800s. Uh, the construction stopped in 1858, uh, due to the union soldiers wanting to use the land, according to the trans Allegheny lunatic asylums, official website. That's a mouthful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, It says the building was created by Thomas Story Kirk Bird, um, a mentally ill man who wanted to be uh, associated with an American psychiatric facility, according to Culture Trip, a website that features stories about tourist destinations. (laughs) Um, During the working years, the area was filled with different mentally ill patients. According to the information on the asylum's website, uh, Kirk Bird believed that the patients should be allowed to roam the facility to have more freedom. He believed that letting them roam would uh, help them be cured of their illness. The place was able to contain 250 in their own comfortable rooms. I mean, that's kind of a good, I mean, everybody should be able to go outside, you know? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like as long as they don't wander off, let yeah. them wander, you know? Like, yeah. And they're, as long as they're not like, you know, hurting each other or hurting yeah. themselves or, you know, right. Um, It says, in 1863, tragedy struck the hospital. Due to an increase in mental health diagnoses, um, the hospital was overrun with 500 more patients with different problems. The hospital could hardly keep up with the patients. Conditions started to decline rapidly. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) When you're only built to hold 250 and you get an extra 500, that's 750 people. That's insane. Yeah. So, uh, wait, math. Yes, that's 750 people. (laughs) Um, it says, according to the website, all that's interesting.com, uh, patients were cramped together with four or five in one small room that could only fit one person. By 1938, the asylum was six times over capacity. The patients were running wild and they were out of control. So 250 times six would be 1500, right? Okay. Cause 250 times four is a thousand right plus another yeah so 1500 yeah that's a lot of people in a 250 person jesus can you imagine that um 
It says the patients were running wild and they were out of control. Well, no kidding. Um, they hardly had anywhere to keep any more patients. The food supplies were running low and the conditions were declining rapidly. Um, at the peak of the 1950s, the hospital contained uh, 2,600 patients. That's like, oof. <laughs> wow. um, according to the asylum's website, uh, the patients were sleeping on the floor and in freezing rooms with no furniture or heat. The windows were covered in grime and mold. The wallpaper was peeling from decay. It was 10 times over capacity. Um, during this era, the place was beginning on experimental lobotomies. Uh, the place performed over 4,000 lobotomies, which left some healthy patients with brain damage and hemorrhages, according to the horrifying history of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum um, on allthatsinteresting.com. The ice pick method involved slipping a thin pointed rod like an ice pick into the patient's eye socket and using a hammer to force it to sever the connective tissue in the frontal lobe of the brain, which resulted in a number of deaths. Blah. Huh. Right in the eyeball. No, thanks. I can't. I, it's the eyeball stuff. I can't deal with the eyeball stuff. Yeah. I mean, not that that if it wasn't having to do with an eyeball, that it would be okay. But like, right. it's even worse because it has to do with an eyeball. Yeah. Um, it says after the closing in 1994, they expanded only one part of the area to create a new place, which was a graveyard. Uh, since 2007, the owners decided to do day tours to tell the history behind it and do paranormal tours to see if any ghosts decided to roam. Um, the asylum has gotten more recognition and popularity since the closing. Legends say that you may see or hear one of the patients um, or see one of their common ghosts named Lily. Um, she was one of the patients from the Civil War area or era, sorry, that died from pneumonia at the age of nine. Uh, witnesses say if you step in her playroom, you can hear her cries and laughs. Um, the place was ranked the number one haunted area in West Virginia. Um, the secrets of this place remain unknown. If you want to find out, you can. The secrets are yours to figure out. Um, it says the Trans-Allegheny um, Lunatic Asylum is located in Weston. I would love to go there and do a tour. That would be so amazing. Except I don't want to see any kid ghosts. You know what I mean? I don't like, that's just it, any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with seeing an adult ghost, but a kid ghost, no thank you. That's just sad. That's just yeah. Sad. yeah. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would want to go any of that <laughs> you know I'm like trying to think about it like would I do it could I do it I don't want to <laughs> no. you wouldn't go with me if we were in West Virginia and I was like hey let's go to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum for a tour maybe during the day you wouldn't do a night tour with me I bet they do like a spend the night tour even I think I was looking at a different um website and it said that they do tours like ghost tours from like 10 30 at night to 12 30. Ooh, okay. It's like a two hour tour that you could do. But yeah. then they also have like tours through the day or something like that. Like I would do a daytime tour. Yeah. Maybe not the not nighttime. nighttime one. Yeah. You could go with somebody else for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with you during the day, but not at night. <laughs> okay. All right. This is um, the first time you've said you'd go somewhere haunted with me. Well, but like, here's the thing is most of those places you're wanting to go at night. And that's when the, you know, you would want like, for some, like, I don't know, I, I could deal with some stuff during the day, but at nighttime, 
No. <laughs> as long as there is daylight, I'm okay. It's something about like the dark and not being able to see things and then expecting things to like happen, even though if they don't, you know, but like if I'm expecting something to happen when it's dark outside, I'm going to be on edge. And even if nothing ever happens, I'm going to like freak out about it. Where like during the day I could look around me, see that nothing's happening and I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like it's a whole different. Yeah. Nope. Not at nighttime. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> also, when are we ever going to end up in West Virginia? That's true. I have a friend who lives in West Virginia, so we could potentially go visit. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if we're going for the sole purpose of going to this place, I'm going to need some <laughs> other carrots on that stick to want to go <laughs> to West Virginia. <laughs> I get it. Like there's going to have to be a whole lot of other things happening. Plus maybe a, you know, asylum trip on the side. I don't don't know enough about that state to try and entice you any further than I have a friend who lives there. (laughs) Good for you, I guess. I know that sounds awful, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I know this person, you know, Yeah, (laughs) it's like, okay, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I, I will go pretty much anywhere just for the experience of going someplace new. Mm-hmm. But as far as like going there for the purpose of seeing haunted crap. No. <laughs> so uh-uh. That just sounds like so much fun to me. Like that would be the reason I would go most places. Yeah, no, that's like literally the last thing on my list of why I would decide to go someplace. <laughs> uh, In fact, that would mostly deter me from going someplace. Yeah. Is it <laughs> maybe like, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, what was your edge or ass butt moment from this week? Oh, okay. So I got this new shampoo and conditioner and the conditioner, okay, the shampoo is like perfectly fine, smells good, does the shampooy thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. The conditioner, <laughs> yeah, cleans my hair. The conditioner is making my hair fall out and like not like in the shower or yes, in the shower. Like I'll like condition it, I'll leave it in for I've I've like not left it in for any amount of time. I've just like conditioned and like rinsed it right away. And I've left it in for like two minutes or whatever. And both times, just like clumps of my hair have come out. It's disturbing. And so I started using a different conditioner. It's not happening anymore. It's definitely, it's definitely the conditioner. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I know know, like when I, cause (laughs) when I wash my hair, I, you know, I do the shampoo and I'll do the conditioner and I'll kind of like rake through it with my fingers and end up getting like wads of hair. Oh, sure. Yeah. Every time, but I lose, I lose some hair, like no matter what, but this was like a ridiculous amount. It was freaking more than what should be happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was freaking me out. And I was like, great. Like I'm losing all this hair. And then I was like, wait, like this has actually happened one time before with a lush conditioner that loved because it smelled so good. It was like this coconutty amazingness, but it did the same thing. It made my hair come out in like clumps. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> what would make your hair fall out? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, what's in there that makes your hair literally just drop out of your scalp? 
I know it's so weird. It's not like I was like, you know, pulling harder on my hair to get more, you know what I mean? To yeah. like get the straight hairs to come out, you know, so I could stick them to my wall and make a picture for Eric. I do uh, that for Travis. <laughs> I'll like, here you go. And like yeah. plaster them to the wall. Sometimes I'll make a picture out of them. Yeah. Make a little yeah. heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do that or smiley faces. Those are yeah. the easiest. Yeah. I've done yeah mostly smiley faces and hearts are kind of my uh (laughs) go-to as far as hair design goes (laughs) that's fine we're normal right I mean whatever even if we're not yeah it's fine (laughs) yeah it's all good so what was your rigid harassment moment uh okay my I'm going to go with ass butt moment because my finger is being a big old ass butt. And let me <laughs> explain before people start jumping to conclusions <laughs> about what my finger is doing or not doing. Okay. So this, I woke up yesterday and like the joint at the end, like the joint right above the fingernail was kind of painful, like not painful, painful, but kind of like painful in the way of like, it feels like it needs to pop you know, yeah. which has never happened to me before. That was kind of strange. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And I didn't really notice it. And I washed my hair. And I remember like, as I was washing my hair, there was a couple times that I like, kind of like touched my scalp in a certain way to where it was a little tender, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to work, there's a couple like on and off throughout the entire day I was doing massages and my finger would get so painful, like sharp pain and mm. not in, but not in the joint at that point, it was like kind of down, you know, like when you get hangnails and it gets kind of like inflamed or whatever, it's like that mm-hmm. kind of area, but okay. there's no cuts. There's no anything, but it's like hot the end, the, the tip of my finger is like hot and kind of like, it's not, it's like the skin feels more like dense. Like it, it's, it's not as squishy as <laughs> on my other hand. Dude, it sounds like cellulitis. It really does. It's just so strange. Well, but here's the thing though, is that when I take ibuprofen, a lot of like the swelling goes down, the color goes down, the heat goes down. So I kind of think it's just inflamed. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if it's like, uh, because there's like an infection and I like poked myself, I was checking all over, like kind of in like the edge of like the skin and where the fingernail meet and just kind of seeing if there was like something like a sliver in there or yeah. whatever that had like kind of made its way down someplace. Like there's nothing there and I can't figure out what's going on, but if I'm I were of, you, if it would me, if it was me, I would call the nurse line. That way you don't have to go to like urgent care over something that may be no big deal, but just like call the nurse line and be like, this is what's happening. Like, what could it be? Do I need antibiotics? Like, should also, I also like, I need my days? hands to work. <laughs> yeah, you do. Right. Should I wait a couple days to see if it goes away? Like, well, and it's already, I mean, granted I haven't worked today, but it's better than it was yesterday. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I'm going to see tomorrow. I think if it's like getting worse with work or, I mean, cause the more I kind of like move it around the swelling kind of like goes down a little bit. Cause it's like kind of pumps the blood out of there. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's just like irritated or something. And I, I honestly, my guess is that 
you know, if I'm being completely honest, I probably like was clipping my cuticles or something and like nipped myself and like, mm-hmm. it's just pissed off. That could but, be, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Cause there's no, that I can tell there's not really any, like, there's no wounds. Yeah. Uh, there might That's- be a little tiny one. I can kind of see a little bit of a nick there, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, there's a little tiny one. Okay. Teeny, teeny, tiny. So it might just be that. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. You might need antibiotics if it gets worse, but I would, you know, wait till tomorrow and see. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, my finger is being a big old ass butt because it's just not cooperating and it hurts. So (laughs) I'm sorry. My ass butt moment. Yeah. Oh. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandassbuttspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.